Welcome to this week's Adventure Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Today we have the privilege of listening to Jeremiah Stabney with his message called, The Choice is Yours. Are you going to walk in the light or in darkness? We cannot love God and date sin simultaneously. To have fellowship with God is only available in the light. Let's be people who chase the light. We hope you enjoy this message. First off, I want to welcome you to church. It's great to have you here. Second of all, I want to do this. If you are a veteran, we want to honor you this morning. If you're a veteran, you've served in our military and served our country. And a veteran, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We want to do something special for you. Let's, first of all, let's give them an, an incredible hand and thank them for their service. We are thankful. We are grateful. Seriously, for every single one of you, thank you for your service. Now, before you sit down, everyone, I want you to extend a hand towards them. We're going to pray for them this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for these incredibly amazing people. We pray a blessing over them this morning. Lord, they have served and they have served our country well. And we give you, Lord, we give you the glory. Lord, we thank you for their sacrifice. We pray a special blessing over them this morning. Lord, thank you. Bless them indeed, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You may have a seat. Well, this morning, if you want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 5 through 10 and kind of going through that this morning. While you're turning there, it'll also be on the screen in a second. It already is. Um, Pastor CJ and Pastor Cheryl send their love. They are away this weekend. They are looking forward to being with us again this following weekend, but they send their love. They are away. And so my name is Jeremiah, and I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. But let's read 1 John 1, chapter 1, verses 5 through Before we do, actually... I love backstory. I love learning as far as the Bible. Like you say, I love, so I have a really thick one, not because I'm more spiritual, more holy. I'm definitely not, I promise you. But I love reading the notes. I love reading the backstory, like what is going on. So I'm going to read you a little bit of the backstory about what we're about to read. So then we read it, it kind of makes, te- uh, the context makes sense and uh, flow a lot better. So First John, of course, was written by John, who is most likely the disciple that Jesus loved. He loved all of them, but he was referred to possibly as the disciple of Jesus' love. By the time that this letter was written, it was approximately 85 A.D. So Christianity had already been around for more than a generation, and already Christianity had endured and suffered great persecution, and it had survived it. And so John is writing this letter, and he's writing it to multiple churches, and he's writing it because the main problem, again, already, it's not that long really, after Jesus was literally on the earth and served and died on a cross. And it's not that long after. And Paul, sorry, John, who is one of his disciples, right, is writing this letter. He's writing to the church. The main problem they had was that the church was a declining commitment. Not long after Jesus left this earth, and he's writing them to encourage them, not to smash them, to encourage them. Hey, like, keep the fervor, keep the commitment. John wrote this letter to several churches. It's basically the equivalent day of our mass emails, right? Who loves those? They're pretty amazing. Gotta love those. It's kind of, or it's like those Facebook notifications that says, post this on your wall, say Jesus is Lord, and all your hair will fall off by Monday, right? Like, whatever. But he's writing this letter and he's encouraging them, all right? He also wrote it to encourage them to love God and to love one another. And he also wrote it with the premise of to assure the true believers that they indeed had eternal life so they can enjoy all the benefits of being God's children. That's a pretty awesome letter, isn't it? And it would be pretty cool, obviously, to receive that. So this is the letter he wrote. So he gives an introduction of who he is, and then he says this, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you 
that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. I pray for this word, Father, Lord, it appears our heart, it challenges us and encourages us, Father. Lord, it encourages us to love one another and to love you and to serve you fervently. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. So to get this letter started, all right. So John introduced himself, right? He gives his resume, and he notes that the very first thing he says, the very first thing, which is in verse 5, is that this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, the very first thing, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So light represents truth. It represents what is good. It represents what is pure, what is holy. It represents what is reliable, Okay, darkness, of course, represents what is not true, the opposite, what is evil, okay, what is sinful. So the statement that God is light means that God is perfectly holy and that he alone can guide us out of the darkness. So God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all, and he's the one who can guide us out of this light. I brought a light. It's a pretty good one. If I shine it in your eyes, it wouldn't feel very good, all right? So in the dark, okay, in the dark, good and evil can look alike, all right? You're walking through the woods in the dark. You don't necessarily know if you see maybe a kind of see an object. You don't know if it's a good or bad thing. A good thing could be a tree. A bad thing, it could be a bear, right? Or a mountain lion or something crazy, all right? But darkness, okay, darkness. Look at that beam of light, okay, the main beam. I don't know if you can see this. I'll kind of bring it over here. But darkness cannot exist in the presence of light, isn't that crazy? Like, pretty cool. So darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. There are no shadows in this beam of light, right? It's coming straight from the light source here. There's no shadows in that main beam of light. Now, this is just a light. Like, we're talking about God, okay? This thing has a limited range, limited distance. I mean, like, and you can see how the light falls off the sides. But I'm telling you, this is just an example to give us a visual of what this can be like. In this light of being, there is no shadows. It's kind of like being in Nebraska. There is nothing there to give a shadow or nothing, right? Zero. When the sun is out in Nebraska, there's not a shadow, right? Zero. It is the only state in America, basically, you can fall asleep while driving. and No worries. It's all good, right? Just The only thing you got to make sure to do is wake up before you hit Wyoming and you're going to be in trouble. All right. So just as there is... There's no darkness in that beam of light, okay? God is saying, like, in him there is no darkness. God is light. So just as there's no darkness in that beam of light, outside of that light, there can be darkness, right? If you're outside in the woods and it's dark, you hit your flashlight, in that light, you can see it's visible. You can see what it, if it's good or if it's evil. You can clearly see what it is. You turn the light off, darkness, right? In the light. So just as darkness can't be present in the light, this is teaching us that sin cannot exist in the presence of God, in the presence of God, sorry, because God is 
light. God is truth. God is pure. God is holy. God is reliable. He is light. He is amazing. If we want a relationship with God, we must put aside our sinful nature, right? We must put aside our sin and choose to be in the light. You can choose if you wanted to. I don't recommend to walk into that light beam of mine. It would hurt your eyes, right? But you can choose to be in the light. God gives us the choice. So to claim that we live for God and then go out and live for ourselves and live opposite of that, the next verse talks about it's, it's deceit. We are deceiving ourselves. We are missing it. We are not walking in a pure, amazing, all that God has for us relationship if we're choosing to walk in darkness. So verse 6 it says again, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not <clears throat> practice the truth. So here John was confronting the church. Again, I told you, or maybe I didn't tell you, maybe I accidentally skipped it, but the church at this time, of course, was facing the problems I mentioned, but one of the other things that they were facing is there was false teachers and prophets that were going around and confusing churches and teaching things that were contrary to the word of God. And so John, being a father figure to these churches, is teaching them and showing them truth. Remember truth. God is light in him. There's no darkness at all. So he is pointing out and confronting that you can, because they're basically teaching that you can have fellowship with God and just live like you want to. And John's saying we can't do that. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness, we lie. We're lying to ourselves. And I was looking at that word, so yet walk in the darkness. I believe that's active, right? If you're walking in the darkness, you are literally walking, right, in the darkness. You're walking. You're, it's an active thing. Excuse me. Let me choose. And I have definitely, absolutely had times in my life where I have not been walking completely in the light. And it hurts people. It hurts God's heart. And I can't then, well, I'm, if I'm doing that, expect or think or feel like that I have perfect relationship or communion or fellowship with God. His verses are confronting us and saying, no, like that's, that's not true. Like God is light. So to be in his presence, we want to be open and honest. And as we read it and we're going to get to it, but if, if we confess those things, it says he's faithful. We know the end of the story. He's faithful and he's just. But like we want, they're, they're, John is teaching the church that no, like we want to be honest with where we're at and confess it and give it to God. The false teachers were teaching that you can fulfill every physical lust and that you want because basically your body's going to be destroyed anyway. So obviously this was a pretty popular trend because it justified anything that people wanted to do. And I see that so much in our world today. People wanting to justify, I mean, talking like outside church, the world, like in so many things, like justify everything, right? And God's word, God is light. In him there is no darkness. All that can challenge us and inspire us this morning. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, so there's a choice, right? This isn't a doom and gloom thing. It is exciting because you have a choice. We have a choice. There's an option. His name is Jesus, right? There's always a way out, Jesus, right? Jesus paid it all so that we can totally walk in him. So here's the but, all right? But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, isn't that amazing? 
walking in the light, choosing Jesus, choosing to walk in the light, to walk as Jesus walked in the light. Not only do we have fellowship with one another because where there is discord or dishonesty or disunity or sin or the, the breakdown, like there's not perfect relationship. You're, you're hurting something. You're killing to something. We're destroying something. So walking in the light as Jesus in the light, we not only have fellowship with one another, but it says that Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's what we want. That's what God's desire is for you. It isn't, sin isn't there for you to just to be a sinner like and not be able to overcome it. Jesus has the way to overcome it. It's through him because he is light. He is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So how does Jesus cleanse us from how all our sin and why? A little bit. So in the Old Testament... Believers symbolically transferred their sins to an animal. They made animal sacrifices. And because of their obedience to God, that's how God had them do it. God would take out the wrath of their sin and put it on the animal instead. And so those, those sacrifices, that time, anticipated the day when Jesus, when God would completely remove sin. Real cleansing from sin came from Jesus. John 1.29 describes him being Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, an animal, right? Like it's symbolically, he was the Lamb of God that took away all of our sin, everything, every hang-up we've ever had, anything we've struggled with, anything that maybe we have defeated or maybe we haven't defeated yet, he is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So sin, Romans 6.23 says by its very nature, so sin by its very nature, it brings death, okay? Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And our world today is, again, not, not loving that one, right? Because we want to be able to do what we want, right? We want to do what we want, no consequences, nothing, okay? So the world hates that. The world hates that there's consequences for sin, but it's it's the Bible teaches that it's as certain as the law of gravity. If I drop this pen, it is going to hit the floor, right? And you you wouldn't argue with me, but like if we're like all oh, the wages of sin is death, like people no, but like it's going to hit the floor, right? The wages of sin is death, but again, that doesn't discourage us because we have Jesus and we can walk in the light as He is in the light. Jesus has gone forth. Jesus paid it all. And so we don't want to just take sin, of course, lightly. Don't, and we don't want to think this is just for people that haven't received Jesus. Yeah, this is for all of us. If, if we've sinned, like we can still go to God right now and, and because he is holy and he is just and it says that he is faithful to forgive us our sins. So whatever areas that we're not completely walking into the light in, like we want to expose that. Light exposes darkness, Right? Darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. We want God and give him permission today, this morning, every day of our lives to expose the things that are not from him. Maybe they're not necessarily sin, but maybe they're not God's best for you that are holding you back. Light exposes darkness and giving God permission to do that because we know the story. We know what he can do. We know he can cleanse us. We know that there's a more powerful, amazing, abundant life that only Jesus can offer if we're committed to this. So whatever areas we're not walking completely light on, something's dead. So whatever area that is, again, it might not be a full-out 
sin, but maybe it is, or maybe it is just something that's a hang-up. But again, the wages of sin is death. So if we're not walking completely light on something, something's dying, something's dead, or something is suffering, right? If we're lying, something's suffering. It's maybe it's our morals, maybe like we're hurting people if we're stealing, right? If we're not being honest, if we're not being honest with our spouse, if we're not, maybe we're wrapped up in pornography, maybe we're, whatever it is, it, whatever sin in our life, if we're dabbling in that, we're not walking completely in the light as he is in the light, okay, it's breaking off. And again, God's word isn't here this morning to bash us with it. It's to point that we need Jesus and that abundant life is possible in and through him. So if we're not walking in the light, this is where it hurts. This is like we're, we're breaking our fellowship with God, right? We're, we're, we're hindering it. We're hurting it, right? We're hurting God. But like we're, we're hindering walking the way Jesus has called us to walk and hindering his presence in our lives and the truth is, as we already know, that Jesus can cleanse us from all of those things because God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. We feel like God, if we come to him and confess to him or ask for forgiveness, that he's going to whop us up the side of the head and you'd be like, you loser, what are you doing? No, God is light. Like, God is light. He is love and he is life. This whole, we're not talking about First John, all of it today. We're just talking about the first chapter. But there's three things in First John that God is light that God is love and that God is life. And our best life <clears throat> is always found in him. We can come to Jesus. We can come to Jesus. So there is a harsh contrast in this chapter and in the Bible made here. Light and darkness, right? Light and darkness. Truth lies. <clears throat> walking in the darkness or walking in light, and there really is no in-between. Let's read verse 8. So if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And here, the reason this is in there, John is attacking another thing that false teachers were teaching the church. They were teaching, the false teachers were, teaching that you didn't need to take sin seriously, and there was no need to confess or repent for sin. So here's what it breaks down for all of us. At conversion, right, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is an opportunity to pray, okay, it's a start. It's not the end-all, be-all, but to pray and ask God to come into our lives to be the Savior of our life and also to ask God to forgive us our sins. And as we read in verse 10, we're not going to, or 9, we're not going to go there quite yet, but we know that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us all of our sins. And that word all is amazing, all, all of our sins, every single one of us, no matter what. So he's attacking this. They're not taking sin seriously and not needing to repent. So, again, at conversion, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we ask Jesus to forgive us our sin, and he's forgiven our sins. So now you become a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus. It is a journey. It is a process. It is an everyday amazing journey. But you're a believer. You still have the capacity or the capability of sinning. Right? I have sinned since I've become to follow Jesus. Then what? Right? Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he is righteous to forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Paul is saying if we confess our sins, whether it's for the first time, if it's the first time we're confessing, our sins are forgiven. After we're saved, 
is still teaching us that we should repent for those things. Not We're not repenting to receive God's acceptance again. We are God's. He loves us. He wants to forgive us. But what it does, again, sin brings death. So sin, again, brings a separation. So if we're dabbling in a sin or commit something or get, I get angry and yell it back, like that's sin. Like I want to come to God, confess it to back, ask for forgiveness from her, but also go to God, Lord, please forgive me. Why? Okay. Yes, Jesus still loves you. That is not going to send you straight to hell, obviously. Okay. But it's, it's to keep that communion, that fellowship with God, walking in the light as he is in the light, because why? We have fellowship with one another and God, the people we sin against are hurt, okay, but also with God, our relationship with him. Is, we're removing hindrances. We're removing setbacks. We're removing things that can hinder that, and God will forgive us. His word teaches it. It is full of promise, but it takes humility and it takes honesty, of course, to confess. Even to God sometimes, but especially to people, it takes honesty and humility, but it is so freeing when you do it is so freeing. If you're living and hiding something, it is so freeing when you confess it, bring it into the light, expose it, right? Expose it to God, but also somebody. Confession is supposed to free us to enjoy fellowship with Christ. True confession also involves a commitment to not continue in sin. So yes, we want to ask God, please forgive us, Father, but it, is an, it, we are, it involves a commitment that we don't continue in it, that we would be genuinely confessing for God, asking forgiveness, asking him to shape and mold us to be in the light as he is in the light and not make excuses for it. But we have to choose. So verse 7 tells us, again, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So this morning, the challenge this morning is to chase the light. Do not get out of it. Chase the light. As the same thing as God is our good shepherd and chase the shepherd. Follow. Be close to the shepherd. Chase the light. Chase Jesus. Be in the light. Be transparent. Be true. God is inquiring. God is in asking and, and just giving us an amazing opportunity to walk in light and not in darkness. Because in it, in the light, there's fellowship, there's unity, there's the grace of God of forgiveness. And out of it, there's darkness and truth and not much hope for us. We want to be in the light. I'm going to cl start closing the story, Andrew, if you don't mind coming up. Uh, I read this story at the Journey on Friday. I found it last week, and it really challenged me. I'll read it with you this morning again, church. It says, an African bishop was asked about how these amazing things were happening there. So there in Africa, an American missionary is asking an African bishop. He's like, man, I'm seeing God do incredible things. Why are these things happening here? And not in America. And his response was, here's the reason you do not have such things happening in this country. You Americans study your God, and we Africans worship ours. You get smarter, and we get changed. And then we change the world around us. By doing rather than merely studying, we create a culture. Newcomers and the young feed on that culture. They watch, and they do and they too are changed. Our culture expands. You Americans create a system of thought. The most you ask is that people contemplate new ideas. You might ask them to give or sometimes attend meetings, but no contagious culture is created. Nothing is offered to newcomers but thoughts. So they think and they don't do. 
And that was really, really, really challenging. And if I took an honest look around at myself, like, man, that, that, is, that is confronting, isn't it? It's challenging, right? To not just study God or know about God, but to be a worshiper of him, to be a lover of Jesus. As Beck mentioned this morning, she's talking about the difference of being saved and living called, right? So we're going to have an opportunity this morning to, to receive Jesus and to respond to God's word in any capacity of where we are in life. But there's a difference, right, between being saved, which is amazing. We want to be saved. That is an incredible, amazing first step. But I really believe, do believe, again, it is a first step, and it is God's grace that allows us to be in that place. But there's a difference between being saved and living called, right? So God is light, and there's no darkness in him at all. But God, he does. He wants us to walk in the light, but also God's word goes one step farther in his word for a challenge for every single one of us. Matthew 5, 14, it'll be on your screen, it says this. It says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So yes, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all and we want to follow those steps of first john and to know that we are in fellowship with god and one another and know that we can approach him and approach the heavenly father anytime we struggle that he's not there with a bat to beat us that his love and his mercy and his grace and his open arms are there to accept us okay but he goes one step further and says you are to be the light of the world. Not only are you to walk in the light, you are to be light. You are to reflect light. There is always something that God wants to unleash in our lives. It's not enough to just be saved. That will get you to heaven. But God has so much more opportunity for us here on this earth now that we can start doing and being by being light. Not just accepting light. That's an amazing thing. I don't. I love that. But God wants us to also take that light that he's shining on us and reflect it to our world, to our family, to be leaders. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. We are not to be hidden. We're not to be hidden, um, but we're to be shining God's glory. We're not to be trapped in sin. There is freedom. There is freedom this morning. If you're struggling with something, there is freedom. There is freedom. The Bible teaches that there's not any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but freedom. But again, it takes us being honest. It takes us being forefront. And we have to take that step to step out of the darkness and step into the light, give it to God, and trust and believe that he will do what he promised that he would do, which is if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins. So we are to let the light of Christ not just make us feel great, and it does make us feel great. It is awesome. But we're supposed it's supposed to not just make us feel great. It's, it's supposed to affect the way we live. That's the difference between being saved and living called, is that God's grace not just is awesome, because it is. It's not just that. It's an and. It's not an or. It's an and. We're supposed to, it's supposed to affect the way we live and in comprehension of that, it's supposed to reflect his light and be a light to the world around us. Matthew 5, 16, two verses after 14 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father 
who is in heaven. That is why we are to be light chasers, but also light givers. Why? Because it brings glory to God. And if we want to be a people that's going to bring glory to God, we want to be in the light, right? We want to be open. We want to be, it's not that you have to beat yourself up because we're going to struggle. You're going to mess up. That's fine. What does Jesus say? Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is here this morning. His presence is here, not to condemn us, but to point us to him, but also call us to step up, right? God's word is encouraging. It is love. It is amazing. It is also a, hey, do this. Like, there is more for you. Step up and continue to go. But this morning, what I want us to do before we move on, and I want everyone to pay attention here because we're going to have an amazing offering at the end. But before we do that, I want to give people an opportunity. Maybe you're on this journey. We're, you're, we're all on a journey, right? We're, and it's not that there's people that aren't very good and are here, and then you, you arrive as an amazing ultimate Christian. No, like we're all on this journey at some point or another. But I want to give an opportunity this morning. If you've never done what we talked about this morning, and firstly, known that you could confess your sin to Jesus and that he would forgive you and that you don't have to walk in darkness. There's an option. You don't have to walk in there. But it's also God's love and his mercy that, that convicts us, that points and, and exposes. He's shining light on us this morning and saying, how will we respond? And I want to give us an opportunity this morning. So what I want you to do, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I do want to pray for you. And what that will look like if you choose to respond is I'm going to ask you to stand. And what we're going to do is all, many people in this church have prayed this prayer. This prayer is inviting Jesus into our heart to start a journey. It doesn't mean, again, as the false teachers, that life is peachy keen from here on out. You're good to go. But no, it's we need to be honest. Like, and Lord, I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Lord. Lord, I'm struggling in this. I've tried doing life on my own. But Lord, I need you. Lord, please forgive me. That's what that looks like this morning. And I want to give us an opportunity before we move on. If that's you, I want to I want to challenge you. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to call you forward. You can stand where you are. But if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, or maybe you've given your life to Jesus and you want to recommit, you know you're not walking in light, and God is calling. You. If you want to, I want you all to just stand this morning. This is awesome, awesome. Praise God. What I want us all to do. There's a couple people standing. I want us all to church. Let's close our eyes all together, all of us, and pray this prayer together. Let's repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we need you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for dying on a cross that I may live. Thank you for taking my sin. I deserve to die, but you died for me. Please forgive me of my sin. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I repent. And I look to you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's give them a hand. This is awesome. This is awesome. Praise God. That is awesome. Again, this is, this is a start. It is a starting point. But for all of us this morning, every single one of us, now I, the second group I want to pray for, if you want prayer, if you want, I'm just going to pray over you. If you want prayer, I'm, I'm standing for this one, like to walk in the light that God is calling us not to just live and are to be saved, but to live called and to walk in constant fellowship with one another. But also, if you want prayer for this morning, I invite you to stand. I'm just going to pray over you. 
If you feel like you're struggling with that or just want prayer in general over that, I just want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for honesty. We thank you, Lord, that we are here before you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We are standing and saying that we need you, Lord. We want to walk in the light as you in light because, Lord, you have called us to be light. Lord, you have called us to reflect your glory, and we don't want anything in our lives, God, to hinder that. Lord, we want to reflect you, reflect your glory. Lord, this county, the counties around us, Lord, need Jesus. Lord, use us. Use all of us, standing or not, Father, use us this morning and this week and for the rest of our lives. I choose, pray that we choose to follow you and walk with you, Father, and choose that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You can Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We are heading into the busy holiday season, and we have a ton of things planned for you. If you don't want to miss out, make sure you follow us on Facebook, download our app, or visit our website www.adventurechurchsiren.com